Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. Whether you are a student prepping for tests and boards or a CRNA here to earn CEUs, we are glad you've joined us. For more about us, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Core Anesthesia and online at coreanesthesia.com. Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. I'm Cole here with Tanner. Today, we want to do another break from rigorous anesthesia topics and do more of a real talk. And specifically today, we wanted to go through finances with school. In no way, shape, or form, this is the big, bold disclaimer at the beginning of this. We are not financial advisors. We don't claim to be. We just want to kind of talk about our experience, how we prep for school from a financial standpoint, how we are going through school, and things that have come up that we wish we would have known about financial-wise, things that have either added to our costs or things that we could have done differently to limit the amount of costs going through school, and then people that we've talked to that are recently graduated and how they have adjusted into making six figures out of school and how they've worked at transitioning there, and then how Tanner and I are also planning as we're going to be graduating here in a few months to transition out just from the feedback that we've gotten from people that have recently graduated in front of us and what their experience has been. So in no way, shape, or form are we claiming that this is the exact way to do it, the end-all, be-all. And there are so many different approaches to the finances going through school, even when you get out, how you go about repaying your loans, investing, et cetera. And again, we would really encourage you guys to get involved with a financial advisor, financial planner, if that is something that you're interested in. Uh, just to kind of walk through those different options with you. But really for the sake of this talk, we wanted to go through and just talk about how we have approached this and ways that we would have done differently going back or uh, looking forward or going to try to attack this. Yeah. And I just want to echo what Cole says, because I know everybody has extremely different situations, even Cole and I, I mean, Cole has one child and one on the way. And I have no kids. And so even our financial plans and things like that look much different. And we understand that people have many, many different backgrounds, many different lives, many different circumstances that happen even before or during or after anesthesia school that might change how you you know, look at finances or what your priorities are. So like Cole mentioned, this is in no way a end-all be-all. This is what you should do for your finances, but this is just our story. This is what's been helpful to us, and maybe this might be helpful to you as we talk through some of our financial goals and also how we've managed money as we've gone through anesthesia school. I think the first thing that I'd like to address is the preparation for anesthesia school in terms of financial preparation, and I know many people know that they want to go into anesthesia school. And I think as soon as that thought is in your mind, then you should start preparing financially to actually be in anesthesia school. So I know that my wife and I, this is just our story that we were both travel nurses. And so while we were doing travel nursing, we tried to save as much money as possible so that we could have a good lump sum to use for tuition once we got into anesthesia school. And that has made a huge difference for our financial situation just because we took those couple years ahead of time to really work on accruing that money to pay for school. We had awesome times. We still enjoyed living our life and did really fun vacations and things like that. But we knew that that was a goal of ours. And so I think from the moment you think, okay, I want to go to anesthesia school, you're going to be preparing, you know, with taking different classes, getting certifications you might as well start preparing financially. It is just, in my opinion, as important as all these other 
things that go into preparing for school. For us, we just had a number that we wanted to reach. That was our goal. And we we knew what the tuition was stated as on our school's website. And so our goal was to have about 60 to 70% of that total amount. And that was zero science. We didn't have any reason why we picked that, but that was just what seemed attainable and also what would feel really good graduating. You know, if we had this number, that's kind of how we got there is if we had this much in debt, that would feel really good getting out of anesthesia school. And so that's how we started that goal. And we just really started chipping away at that a couple of years early. For me, my story was a little bit different in the fact that when I graduated undergrad, I went straight into the ICU. I wanted to get my year and go right back to school as fast as I could. Because in my mind, the differential in pay grade that you can get from being an RN to a CRNA was so great that in my mind, I was thinking for every year that I wait to go back, I'm costing myself, you know, et cetera. And so I really wanted to jump back right away. And that didn't really give me the option to save up a lot um, for the fact that I got out of school, worked for a year and a half, and went right back into school again. But for me, my biggest goal at that point was I knew I wanted to jump back into CRNA school. And so I wanted to get my undergraduate loans paid off before I went back to school. And I was blessed since I was a collegiate athlete, I had a lower tuition that I had to pay after my scholarship. And so I was able to pay off that in the year before I went back to school, which helped so much just to have that off my chest and not to worry about that payment. But so my point I'm trying to get here is when you decide you want to go back, if you're not in the position like Tanner was to save up, you know, these 50% for school, find those things that you can eliminate that you're going to have to pay for when you get back to school. So for me, that was my undergraduate student loan. Two, I wanted to make sure I had no car payments, have that completely taken care of. I wanted to get rid of all those little things that I was going to have when I started school. I just wanted that off my chest. And for me, it wasn't worth waiting another year or two to build up some money to then pay for tuition because in my mind, I knew I wanted to get done in three years. I was going to graduate. I was not going to let anything stop me from graduating. And so I wanted to take that risk of going right into it and taking that loan and graduating and then starting to make that income that I could potentially have once I graduated. But again, I really wanted to eliminate some of those extra expenses that I was going to have when I got back into school. Right. And I think even though we have different specific strategies, there's a commonality in the fact that we both, whatever we were making as bedside nurses, you weren't living to the max of your income there. Like you were mentioning, you were trying to make sure that these other costs were taken care of before you went back to school And since I had been out a few years, we were kind of looking ahead uh, towards saving. But regardless, our habits of saving were similar, even though, again, we employed a different strategy. Our method of saving was that you're going to make this amount of money, but we're only going to be living on this less amount of money so that one, you can either save or the other strategy so you can pay off these different things so that you can be set up. And I think that's what's really important because many times when talking to people, they think, okay, I'm going to make a bunch more money when I graduate and it's going to have you know all these pros and I'm going to be able to pay all these things off and have all this debt paid off. The problem is that if you're used to living at whatever level of money you make and you're not used to forcing yourself to live below that, I can almost bet that you're going to be used to spending 
everything you make at $200,000. And that's not going to be just uh, an extra $150,000 that rolls through the door. So it's important even before you go to school that you get in the habit of living below your income if you can. Again, this is just our experience. This is not one way to do this, but what we found is really helpful to live below your income level, get into that habit beforehand so that you can really set yourself up to pay down debt, pay down school loans. And then when you are making more money, you've already developed those habits and you already have the structure in place to, again, at that point, you know, pay off debt or start investing, things like that. I think the other thing that you can do while you're preparing for school is to, like Cole mentioned, those different expenses that are going to be monthly expenses to try to get those eliminated. So he mentioned car payments and things like that. This is something that is going to be a really big burden or it could be a really big burden while you're in school is your monthly expenses. So these are car payments. These are subscriptions to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, You know, all these different subscriptions that you don't even realize that you probably have anymore. You have all of these different things that you uh, purchase monthly, your internet, things like that. These are all things that aren't going to go away just because you start in school. These are going to be monthly payments that will continue to come up and you'll have to continue paying those while you're in school. So if you can try to minimize the amount of things that are going to be your fixed costs every month, if you can try to maybe even sell your car and eliminate your car payment or try to eliminate the number of subscriptions to things that you have so that you're not just paying for every single TV streaming service there is out there. Or if you're trying to figure out ways that you can have a cheaper cell phone bill or just all these different things while you have time before you start school, look at how you can strategize and get your monthly payments, those monthly fixed payments to be lower Because again, those are going to be things that are going to show up every month, whether you want to pay them or not. And while you're not making money while you're in school, you're going to have to either pay that from loans or from any kind of nest egg that you've saved up. And so the more that you can work those fixed costs down ahead of time is going to pay large dividends while you're in school. Do you have a lot of student loan debt and aren't sure of your best repayment options? Do you feel confident in your plan to pay off debt, grow wealth, and have the lifestyle you want? Meet Joe Kramer and Healy Financial. Joe is an independent financial advisor with a certified financial planner CFP designation and specializes in helping CRNAs and other medical professionals with their financial lives. Joe knows how important it is to get going on your finances early on in your career, and he can provide advice-based strategies tailored to your goals and needs. For a free, no-obligation conversation, contact Joe at jkramer at healyfinancial.net or 574-968-1521. Joe is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services, Inc. Member FINRA slash SIPC. Healy Financial is independently owned and operated. 17535 Generations Drive, South Bend, Indiana. Number 3403963, DOFU, 1 slash 2021. And in terms of when you are approaching the start of school and either are going to be taking out loans or paying with your bulk that you have saved up to begin with, the biggest thing is not just simply going to the university, taking the first loan that they offer you and go with it. What I found from my experience is typically this is higher interest rate, which is just going to add up substantially in the long run. And for me, it was a lot more beneficial to shop around. You're going to be shopping around for anything else that you buy in your life. You're not just going to go 
at least I would hope, go by the very first thing that you see and not price shop. And so my biggest advice here is going to be, if you're going to be taking out a loan, don't simply just go and take out the highest interest rate loan that they offer you that seems the most convenient. There are a plethora of options that you have available to you. I know it's a little bit different with graduate school compared to undergraduate. It does limit it from that standpoint. And that's been the biggest hurdle that I had found when I was going back to school and just in terms of looking for scholarships, looking for different loans available. Graduate school puts you at a whole different level than undergrad and limits the amount of availability you have for different things. But my point here is just don't go right away to that high interest rate loan. And I know that sounds completely obvious, but a lot of times you just take the first answer that you get and you don't compare that with other answers. And so when you're going to search for a loan, just because someone says it's the most popular loan or something like that does not necessarily mean that's the one that you should go ahead with. Because what I found is if you search around, you can find a lot cheaper of an interest rate that is going to save you a lot of money in the long run. With that being said, though, I would be hesitant with variable interest rates just because that can change so much. So don't be tempted to get a slightly lower interest rate if it's variable compared to a little bit higher that's fixed. From my experience, it's just better to go with that fixed interest rate to prevent it from skyrocketing on you later on down the road. Another thing that you can do while you're preparing for school, and you might feel like you're busy before school, but I promise you, you will be much more busy once you get into school. And so something that you can do beforehand is start looking for scholarships. And this might sound obvious, but there are many scholarships that are listed on the AANA website, and you probably won't be eligible for these before you get into school. But what you can do is start to write all of these different essays that are required for these scholarships. Many times these scholarships are the same essays year in and year out. And this might be something that you simply don't have the time for when you're in school. But ahead of time, when you have time, it, you might not know exactly, you know, if I ask you what you want to do, uh, what specialty you want to work in, what your, how you're going to change, you know, anesthesia practice, et cetera. But there are a lot of things that you can write about why you became a CRNA, all these different things. And you can compile basically a list of generic essays and written up scholarship essays that down the road when you're in school, you can do this. And this will be make you a lot more successful in applying for a lot more scholarships simply because you have a lot of the legwork done for you ahead of time. When you're looking at different scholarships to apply for, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but again, with graduate school, it's just, there's just less amount of scholarships out there for anesthesia providers in graduate school. I wish that was different, but that's just from what I have found I have searched and searched and searched, and there's just a limited amount of scholarships available to our specific profession in the graduate program. With that being said, though, I would encourage you not to limit yourself just to anesthesia scholarships. Just because we're in anesthesia graduate program does not mean you can only apply for scholarships that are for anesthesia providers in a graduate program. And it took me a little bit to realize that for the fact of there are a lot more generic scholarships out there that just because there's a bigger pool that'll be applying for it doesn't mean that you should not apply for it. I actually got two or three scholarships that have nothing to do with anesthesia, let alone even the medical field. It was just a matter of a scholarship in my local area from a bank that turned out no one else applied for. And it's not a lot of money. It's only $500, but those $500 scholarships add up. And every little piece you know, when you put that together, it does add up. So don't just shy away from applying for generic scholarships that you can find. With that being said, as Tanner already talked about, 
get those essays done for the generic scholarships. That way, if you do ever come across one, you can just in a couple minutes submit those generic essays to an application and be done with it. And if you get one out of 20 that you apply for, if you already had all that work done and you can just do it in a few minutes each time, that's still worth it in the long run. But don't be discouraged when you find that there's not a lot of anesthesia scholarships out there because unfortunately there's just not. You should also check out, there's this uh, scholarship called the Student Nurse Anesthesia uh, Scholarship. I don't know if you've heard of it. about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is something we are, shameless plug, but we are really excited about this. We started this last year and we do this in December is our deadline in December at the end of the year. And so keep an eye out for that this year. This is something that we're, uh, again, just really excited to offer. Like Cole said, there's not a lot of options out there. So we're excited to be able to provide this. I would really encourage you to look at some of the peers in the class or two above you, see if they have any books that are passing down that are not going to be renewed in terms of a lot of times classes update the version of the textbook that they want for your class. Oftentimes, it doesn't necessarily matter. Just look at ways like that that you can save. Besides books, a big expense that I wish I would have prepared for was just my commute. I knew that I was going to have a lot of expenditures commuting from my house to school just because I live an hour away. But I didn't think about the fact that when I started clinical, just traveling to all these different clinical sites, that was just going to add up so much. And I think for me, I drive between five and 600 miles every week in terms of going to all my clinical sites. And that just puts a lot of wear and tear on my car. And I wish now going back, I considered when I started clinical, selling the car that I currently had and buying a different one that was going to give me better gas mileage. And now that I've done the math for that, I could have spent an extra six or $8,000 and paid that completely off during my clinical portion, just in my gas savings because of how much mileage I'm putting on over the course of these 18 months of clinical. And that's just something I wish I would have thought about. And at this point, now that I'm so close, I mean, I could still invest and switch into a different car with a better gas mileage. But that's just something that if you are going to be at a program that requires you to drive to all these different hospitals around your area, that's going to be adding a lot of mileage. Just think about that with your car and your car choice that you're going to have. The other flip side is you could not choose to drive and commute those, but you can actually have to live at those facilities. I know a lot of students in the programs around us have to travel a little bit further for their clinical sites than we do, and they have to look for different places to rent, to stay, whether that be finding a place even at the hospital they can stay at to save money, finding a peer that they know from the program that lives closer to that area. There's just a lot of ways that you can go about doing this to try to save money rather than just going ahead and staying at a hotel for four or five weeks while you're going through that clinical site. That can add up very, very quickly. Another thing that I wish I would have known about before school was the cost of taking standardized tests. This is something that, again, is not just like you're going to pay $10 a month for the entire time and you can gradually absorb that into your monthly spending. These are things that, at least in our case, show up and it's like, hey, you need to pay $500 by next Monday. So these are things that, you know, that's kind of a lot to absorb into your monthly spending, especially when you're on a fixed income or a no income while you're in school. And so these are things that I wish I would have prepared for ahead of time. For us, we take the C exam twice and that's about, what is that? $300, $400 for the C exam? I think it was $250. Remember right. Okay. So about 
so 250 you're gonna do we do that twice and then even your boards your boards are now a thousand dollars to take your boards and so that's another cost that will be coming up here at the end of the program that you know you should keep that in mind and maybe set aside a little bit or you know from the very beginning start saving 10 to 20 dollars a month for these standardized tests and just nestle that away so that when they show up you have enough money to pay for those things another thing that shows up and this can be different from person to person but there are a ton of different resources for anesthesia providers so i mean this is what we offer we offer a monthly subscription for our podcasts and we think that's really helpful and valuable to people because they can study while they're in the car and while they're commuting things like that but we are just one of many different subscriptions that you can use there are people that you know choose for practice questions for boards. There's people that use actual content online that they pay a subscription for. There's different anesthesia apps that you can use. There's many different books or anesthesia guides that you can keep with you in the operating room and you can purchase that book. There's things for pediatrics. There's things for drug calculations. I mean, there's across the board, really, if you think of something that you want to use in the OR, probably somebody's created that resource. And what that amounts to is somebody will probably tell you, you have to have this, you know, before you start clinical, you have to have this book, you have to have this app, you have to have, you know, these different things. And without knowing, you can easily spend quite a bit of money. Many of these things I find are very, very helpful. And then there are some things that, you know, really, I I wish I wouldn't have spent the money on maybe upfront. And so I think that's just something to take with a grain of salt. Again, it feels kind of awkward saying that because we have one of these subscription things that we think is really valuable, but some people, you know, don't learn very well when they're just listening to a podcast or something like that. So they might not find our content all that helpful. But for the most part, I would say when somebody recommends something to you, don't just, you know, purchase or buy whatever, because somebody says you have to have that to be successful. You know, your own learning style, you know, your own comfort level. So I think just take that with a grain of salt, because that was another self-incurred expense that you know, I could have avoided had I not just, you know, purchased different things that I thought were necessary as I started clinical. Right. And we're not, again, discouraging you from getting those resources because ultimately the biggest investment you're doing is investing in your education. And that's why we're all going back to school right now is to invest in ourselves to then, you know, expand as we go further down the road. And so if you need those different resources along the way, by all means do that to help you succeed because that is the number one primary goal here is to finish school, graduate and pass boards. The next thing that I think is important to think about, and again, this is just our experience, but I think real estate is something that you should consider when you're going to anesthesia school. And the reason I say that is because you are thinking about living somewhere for three years. And again, this is our experience because we are in one place for three years. I know many other schools, you do a year and a half of coursework and then you're moving from place to place for your actual clinical sites. And so it might not make sense to actually purchase a home But in our standpoint, when I first came here, I started out renting simply because I didn't know the area that well. And again, I'll preface all this by saying my wife is still working, uh, which is a crazy benefit to our income and to allowing us to, you know, take care of those monthly costs through her income, which has just been incredibly helpful. And I realize that's not everybody's situation where they have a spouse or a partner that's able to 
work and take care of those monthly costs. But in our scenario, that's that's our situation. So we were paying for rent. And as I was looking around the area, I was finding these houses that monthly I could be saving almost half of my monthly cost in rent just by purchasing a house. And so this is something that we did. We have bought and sold houses previously to starting anesthesia school. So it's something that we were a little bit more comfortable with, but this has been something that has really completely changed our financial outlook for finishing school. Not only are we saving about half each month in what we pay for our fixed rate for living, but also on the flip side, you know, we've continued to uh, do little improvements through the house and things like that, that we're going to plan on selling it for more money when we get out. And so Something I would just tell you to keep in mind is look at what you're renting for and then look at what you could be paying a mortgage for. Again, this is something that you really need to be careful about, obviously, where you're buying a house, what that market looks like. Is it going to appreciate? Does it going to stay the same? Nothing's for certain in real estate, but generally you think it's going to appreciate. But look at houses that have been bought and sold in the area and how have they done. Talk to a really good realtor that knows the area this is also an area that you could get really burned if you bought something and say the furnace went out or uh, the roof was bad or you know all these things happen at the exact same time well now you've got to you know pay for those things and previously if you're renting you wouldn't be on the hook for all of that so again this is all something that you know take with a grain of salt and look at how much risk you know you're willing to incur and for us the numbers just worked out and we ended up buying this house it's a smaller home it's not as nice as our rental but overall, we felt like this was a good move for us financially. And it really has proved as the markets continued to improve. Now we have the opportunity to make money out of this instead of simply just paying every month without seeing any kind of return at the end. Another thing that I think is important to take note of is towards the end of your school, when you're going to be looking at jobs, there are a lot of facilities now, a lot of anesthesia groups that are offering student repayment bonuses on top of just a basic sign-on bonus. And while I'm not saying that you have to choose somewhere that offers these bonuses, there's a lot more that goes into where you're choosing a specific job. It is important to look at those bonuses that they're offering. I know for me, I found where I wanted to work a little bit earlier on in my schooling, and I was pretty certain that this is where I wanted to work. And so I hired on with this group and I was able to take the bonus that they were going to give me from that and apply that directly to a whole year of my schooling. And what I'm trying to get at here is don't necessarily, if you're going to get a bonus like that, if it's not specifically for tuition reimbursement and it's just simply a sign-on bonus, don't take that run and buy all these nice things because you just got a nice sign-on bonus. I would be very hesitant to do that because you're taking out all this money in student loans probably, if you're like most people, you're going to be taking out the student loans during this time. And so I just took that money and just dumped it into a whole year of school. So I didn't have to take out a loan for that year. Because in my mind, it's going to save me so much more money in the long run in terms of interest rate than if I would have gone ahead and just bought, you know, a nicer car or other things for my house with that sign on bonus. I think that brings up a really good point is the more you can move money out of your account and towards school, I think the better for us, you know, at the beginning of each semester, we just get the money out of our account towards tuition. For me, it seems a lot more difficult to stop at Starbucks or to do whatever when I know that money is specifically coming out of my account rather than, oh, I'll just put, you know, 
1500 towards school at the end of the semester instead of, you know, the 1600 that I was initially planning on. And for me, I can, it's just a mental thing, but I can easily justify that where, you know, I'm still doing pretty good. I'm going to get a little bit of money towards school compared to if you get that money out up front, then it puts all the pressure on you and your spending and your judgments for, you know, what's really important. And if that's going to cause you more debt or cost you more with loans, things like that, simply because now it's your money that you're spending on these different expenditures. So with that being said, just little things that have made a big difference. Don't plan on eating at the cafeteria every day. You know, that's five, $6 every single day you're at clinical that adds up pretty quickly, even stopping for coffee. Those are all simple things that you can, you know, shop, meal plan, uh, make coffee at home. Those little things really pay huge dividends. And the more CRNAs that we've talked to that have looked back on their experience say, man, I wish I would have just tried to find small ways that I could have minimized the amount of loans I was taking. So again, I would encourage you to think about those things as well as your fixed monthly things that you can just work down. And again, if you can get that money out of your account and to tuition early, then that puts the pressure on you and really making a judgment call. Is this worth it to go into more debt for this coffee or for this food or for this experience, whatever? Definitely, there's a balance there. You're going through anesthesia school and you need to figure out ways to find balance and find uh, you know, a way to continue living life while you're going through the craziness of anesthesia school. So again, I don't think it's necessarily healthy to just shut down all these different things that are enjoyable or that would cost money. By no means am I saying that, but just things to think about as you're going through school, simple ways that really could pay large dividends in the future. When you get close to graduation and after you graduate in that short period, when you're taking those few months before you get all your board certifications done, et cetera, before you start working, again, this is a part where I know a lot of people have looked back and said it's a a struggling time because you have a couple months free before you start working and you're bogged down and you might as well take advantage of those and go on vacations, travel, et cetera which by all means do, you earned it, you just graduated, you finished probably the hardest three years you're going to go through. And by all means, take advantage of that time. But I know a lot of people have told me that they regret how much they spent during that time, just because they still are in the same amount of debt that they were when they graduated. They're just no longer bogged down by the time commitments of school for those couple months. And then on top of that, when you go ahead and start working, A lot of people have told me that that first year that they transitioned into the working environment and getting that payment each month, they really regret instantly shifting their new normal to making what they're making. And Tanner alluded to this earlier, but don't just simply become used to that new salary. You're used to making hardly anything and actually nothing during these three years. We're used to spending money. And so rather than just say, okay, I'm going to all of a sudden, boom, day one, I get my first paycheck. I'm going to go ahead and live like I'm getting this paycheck. I would really encourage you from what I have gotten the advice from a lot of people was set a certain amount in your head that you want to pay off on your loans for each of those first couple months, year, et cetera, whatever that's going to be. And right away on that very first paycheck, take that lump sum away before you even see it basically and have that automatically set up to go out because then in a way you don't know what you're missing if that makes any sense it's still going to feel like a big pay raise when all of a sudden you're going to get paid a lot compared to going through school and so you might as well set yourself at a certain level 
and you just get paid that amount. And the rest is just going to go straight into your loans and straight to pay off whatever you have to, because you're going to save so much more money in the long run in terms of interest savings. And we're used to making practically nothing right now anyway. So you might as well go ahead and do that. I've talked to several CRNAs that said just in the interest that they have to pay on these big loans, because most of the time students that graduate from anesthesia school have over six figures worth of loans. And the interest on that just starts to rack up so much that if you can't get ahead of that right off the bat, you're going to end up paying so much more in the long run. And the last thing that I'll add here, when you're looking for your job, many times I know, especially while we're in school, we see these job postings and you know they say, this is what you're going to make a year. And you think, oh my goodness, you know I have to work there. Look what they're paying. This is an incredible sign-on bonus, incredible student repayment, all these different things. I would just encourage people, and this is advice that I've received, to just think carefully about the amount of money that is being offered. Many times these are jobs that are more rural, which might be great, but think about what you want in a job, what you want in an experience, and really prioritize that and then look at the money. I know often with student loans, you think, well, if I could just make that for two years or make that for three years, I'd be set and I could pay off all these different loans. What the advice that was given to me that I think is really valuable is that oftentimes these jobs, if it's not really what you want and it's not something that you want as far as experience or where you want to live or around family or you know the list of all these different potential priorities, many times these people get very burnt out and they might change jobs within the year. Maybe they are uh, finding different ways to find release from their job. And so they're buying new cars or trying to find a really cool house, or they're trying to go on these crazy vacations because they just have to get out of this horrible job that they're stuck in. So many times the actual pay is negated by all these different things. You know, it costs money to transfer jobs, time you're going without payment, time to move all of your things, costs to pay for moving, all that sort of thing. So oftentimes that combined with the extravagant expenditures, whether that again is house or car or vacations or whatever, many times those really high paying jobs, if it's not really what you want in a job, can many times pay you even less than if you would just take a job that is exactly what you want or is more in line with what you want and maybe pays less, then that actually might be a better financial decision for you as you're trying to pay off loans than if you just try to take this crazy job that pays a ton of money, but is everything that you hate or is away from you know all the people that you love or something like that. So that would just be my last bit of advice as you look for jobs. Don't be awestruck with the money. I know it's easy to do. Oftentimes I'm on, you know, gas work or whatever, looking at different jobs. And I just think, my goodness, that would be amazing. But really take into consideration your priorities, what you want in a future job. Look at those things first and then look at your financial situation. Hopefully, then you will be set up in a good spot financially. And like Cole mentioned, living modestly as you first get out of school to make sure those things are paid off quickly, I think will then give you the freedom that you want financially as you move forward. 